and his archer giving out the head wounds here on V'ger, please. The heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. Get nothing pithy there to start? Dude, I just went through an audit that has sucked my soul out through my face, spit it back down my throat, in and out. Like, it has been a brutal three weeks. Spoiler alert to the rest of our fans. This is why uh, the Picard finale has not yet been recorded. There, There is uh, occasionally adult responsibility calls, and we got to put some things on the shelf. I but. promise you I've not been playing Diablo this entire time. My, my, my real job, my career... Um, yeah, it's, it's been a real roller coaster and effed up, uh, my kid's birthday and everything else. That's a classic dad mistake right there. Listen, man, I tried to ride the balance too of like, you know, I'm leaving at five and like keeping the cell phone text messaging and I'm here for the happy birthday. Uh, but I've been pulled many different directions. Luckily I found time for Star Trek, you know, other obligations, but the Picards had to go. I, w- I want to be able to enjoy Picard. I want to be able to not feel like it was an obligation for the last oh, sure. section. And, and really, and also too, it's funny. I've been thinking about Picard, like the last episode we watched and that, you know, it ended where, um, what was the, the jerk captain, the, the, the dipshit from Chicago. Oh, Shaw, Captain Shaw. Shaw, right. When he's like, you know, Riker's like, they're coming for, you know, they're all against us. Who? And he's like, everybody, like that was a really good place to leave that part of the story arc and then come back in fresh. So I'm looking forward to it, but there's a lot to look forward to, man. There's, there's news all over the place. There is. I want to start with Trek related news. That's direct. And that is that there's a new major Star Trek video game that's been announced. And I think it was made for me personally because the studio that's making it is paradox. Paradox is famous for making grand strategy games such as Crusader Kings 3 or Hearts of Iron 4 or uh, Victoria 3 or Stellaris, which is a space-based grand strategy game and a very good one at that. And they apparently have landed the Trek license to do a grand strategy game. So I am very interested in that. Wait, wasn't Paradox has uh, has Bloodlines too, right? They do. They f- they farmed that out to another studio, and of course, it didn't Hard work suit out. Suit which shit the bed. Correct. Now they're pushing out refunds to everybody who did a physical pre order. This they, is important to Joe and I, and really any RPG lover, because Bloodlines one was one of the yeah. all time best. But uh, that's a real black eye for that studio. And I'm actually now that I'm thinking, I'm it's curious that they're able to land another huge IP with mud on their face from that, but. I've never played Stellaris. My interest in Stellaris exists in that like, hey, that really seems like it should have been a Star Trek game. You would be uh, shocked how many people uh, came to the same conclusion, Uh, but it can be a a Star Trek game, a Star Wars game, a Warhammer game, just within the game itself, not counting mods, just... It's a lot of play approaches within Stellaris. I think a Trek-based game is probably going to be a bit more focused on the Trek experience. Very excited about that. The Bloodlines thing is really interesting uh, to unpack because that was a kind of game they're not famous for making, right? They make strategy games on first-person shooters and not RPGs. Yeah, but listen, Paradox uh, or Obsidian, what's the relationship between Paradox and Obsidian? 
Is there any? I don't any? know. I don't remember. I I think that they might just be a publish for, publisher for them, but I'll look it up while you're talking. Because I want to say New Vegas was somehow blown around in there. And if I'm right about that, then there is precedent for, you know, the the first person RPG experience. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't think obsidian has a direct relationship with anyone except Microsoft. I think actually Microsoft owns them now. Well, look at paradox and new Vegas. Yeah, no, no. Obsidian is uh, definitely owned by Microsoft. They bought them straight out. But is there any relationship between Paradox and New Vegas? No. Hmm, well, chalk it up to my brain being dirt right now. But I'm excited for that. It might can't. It might cancel the podcast permanently because I won't be able to be found for 50 years. It's, yeah. I get into Paradox games pretty deep. Do they have a timeline they're looking to release along? Uh, they just put the trailer out today, but I think it's supposed to come out next year. Yeah, we'll see about that. I there's don't a believe few, any. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's like suddenly coming out that I didn't know was being worked on. Like Spider-Man 2 is coming out in like October. Like it's Yeah, done. that was part of the Sony big release suite. Um, <clears throat> some big news with the trailer decks like uh, the Meta Quest 3. And then, you know, again, I care about the vampire stuff. So there's a cool thing there. Um, there is the Telltale Games Studio the Resurrected. Renegade? Stu- yeah, not, not Renegade. Star Trek Renegade. I think that's what it's called. It's, not, it's Resurgence. It's Resurgence is our word name. But they have made the foolish decision to make it a epic store exclusive for a fucking year and a day or whatever so that's gonna go on my <laughs> it's what most packs from the devil last right back year burner i don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> i i am uh i think the star trek uh, not star trek i think final fantasy 7 remake 2 comes out next march so uh prepare your loins for that one if you can beat the <laughs> Hell house can't even get. Well, I don't even know where the fuck I am. Dude, the backlog of games I have right now is just ridiculous. That that's a very low priority going back to that game. Yeah, I. Uh, I haven't even beaten God of War one and like God of War two was also a bad like I am with you. I am so far behind on like premium games. I'm still on like 2015. I'm still in like the PlayStation four era. Like I, I, I got time guys. You keep going. I'll get to you eventually. My biggest fear, Joe, is that I'm going to reach retirement age and all my kids are going to be grown up and moved out of the house. And there's going to be a point where I'm like, I now have time to do whatever I want, which is going to be play video games. And I'm either going to lose the use of my hands or I'm going to be blind. And that's real twilight be, zone shit right there. Right. And that's that's like my real fear is that like I will not be able to do the thing that I enjoy because of some sort of decrepit physical ailment. Keep keep that grip strength, man. Keep that oh, grip worry. strength. Don't worry. I'm keeping that grip strength, Joe. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we had to have strength. Star Trek fans know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All those <laughs> books, right? It's definitely the books. Mm-hmm. I I. Sorry, thought, thoughts of masturbation just completely ruined me. What are you talking about? I'm talking about books. <laughs> about reading. Oh, uh, the punishment. We had to stay strong through the punishment. You and I screwed up. We screwed up bad, bro. 
We did not do. We made a big mistake last week. Or two weeks ago, I guess, from the perspective of our audience. Describe to me how you think we were wrong or how we have been accused of being wrong. We clearly implied and we clearly misremembered as well. Carbon Creek in that we assumed that to Paul's great grandmother was still on earth when in fact we had confused to Paul's great grandmother who definitely left with the guy who was banging the single mom, the Vulcan that was uh, going to baseball games that he's the guy who stayed. Now you said something just now when in fact, what is a fact, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. You say a fact is Trump now. People say that to Paul's great grandmother stayed in Pennsylvania. People have said this. You could say a fact was <clears throat> in a script of a TV show called Enterprise, a Vulcan ship came down and picked up the Vulcans that were stuck there. Minus one. Right. Yeah. You could say a fact was that it was not to Paul's grandmother who yes, stayed behind. It would right? be a fact that we caught, we had an could error. A fact is yeah. that there's an episode of Star Trek Enterprise that says you can't shoot a fucking phaser at warp speed. <laughs> and it becomes a big plot point. And then two episodes later, and for the rest of the series, they're shooting fucking phasers left and right and warp. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, what is a fact, really, when we're dealing with a Rick Berman production, all right? And the answer is that a fact is whatever the story needs to happen to make the story better in the eyes of the writer is what happens. Man, so you are you are so good at being persuasive that even I am nearly convinced that we didn't make the mistake I remember us making. So my job No wonder you got all those guys off in those tribunals, man. Like you're yeah. just good. So my job and your job in this podcast is to watch some god awful episodes of Star Trek That's and true. somehow A not only kill ourselves in the process but B, keep people listening to us. And to make those ends meet, we got to have fun. And I will stand by the product of Carpenter Street, which I believe you called a fast, fast food, food of future, future past. Uh, that was probably the most fun that I can tell you offhand that I've had doing a podcast with you. And and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've had several people point out that it wasn't to Paul's grandmother. I was actually still there. You're absolutely right, and that was a big miss for us. But Carpenter Street was so fucking bad, and I was so desperate to do <laughs> to somehow fucking vicissitude this thing into something. You dug yourself out, man. Like you found the rich veins of content that was that was to be unearthed there. We that was a breezy hour for the two of us to talk it about. It was that great. I had a piece of shit. We had a great I, time. So uh, yeah, you know, she could have still connected with the other Vulcan dude who was like. The sleeper Vulcan still on Earth, but uh, in the end, we were wrong about a major plot point about pretty decent episode. The decent episode, of course, being Carbon Creek, not Carpenter Street. <laughs> Very true. And uh, you and I being the authoritarian pieces of shit we are. And men we- of honor and men of honor, <laughs> to be clear. We, we we knew we did not need someone to tell us what the punishment should be. We accepted it 
and there's only one punishment around these parts. I I I actually have some deep thoughts that occurred to me while this happened. Like really a lot washes over you as you have to endure faith of the heart. You go on a journey. I forgot that that journey was possible until I had this reflective moment as we as we punished ourselves because correctly. we live in the future, right? And yeah. we like any sane person would just skip the fucking intro whenever possible. I didn't see that you invoked the punishment until after I already watched uh, today's episode Proving Ground. So what I actually did was I inflicted the intro on myself while I was driving to work. Oh, wow. And I listened to it. But yeah, but it's different. It is different because it really, you know, you don't just have the Encarta visuals to uh, (laughs) make you question a lot of things in your life. I, I was really focusing in on the music. And do you want to talk about your experience first? And then I'll, I'll give you a recap of my journey. Yeah. yeah so I, it's worth pointing out that in this episode, uh, it's a little less jarring going into it. And there's also a very long previously on segment. So there's a lot Real of, con- there's a lot of content that happens before you get there. So it's a, it's a kind of reflective moment for you to sit back and think about, the I first four minutes you've watched. I'm going to say you, you you almost cheated because you had things to keep yourself busy with potentially <laughs> that was not what you were supposed to be doing. And that is getting punished by the intro. But wh- where did you go on this? What was your takeaway? It was, you know, I can tell like the I felt like I finally understood the reason why they just made a busier arrangement instead of redoing the. The theme song. Mm hmm. You know, the show is such. Faith of the heart is enterprise in a way that is they're like impossible to to separate. It's this weird little earworm that you hate the first 20 times you hear it. And then on the 21st time, suddenly you're like, you're into it. It's like burrowed its way into your heart and grown like a metastasized cancer just infecting the rest of your body. And I, you watch the, the very long previously on and then the teaser and then and get into that. And I just found myself just like, I'm kind of jamming. I'm kind of into it. Uh, I'm, I'm fully uh, enraptured like that, that comic I posted it unironically. Of like we made fun of them, and now I'm I'm the guy singing it. Do you, by any chance, have um, interphasic temporal brain parasites? Because that poss- might that might reconcile this nonsense you're spouting off on me right now. I uh, could, maybe I could, could be a transporter duplicate. You never know. Maybe it's because you're saying like the twenty first time. You hear it, it grows on you. Because I will tell you right now, I have realistically heard the intro to this maybe four or five times. I I listened to it the first time. I said, this sucks. I got a lot to say about it. And that was our first episode. (laughs) It was. Uh, I listened to it again somewhere along the way. Oh, because when I had to make the change of heart parody, I had to get some fucking phrasing down on that. What you nailed, by the way. Acapella. I mean, you you don't get enough credit for that. I agree. (laughs) uh and then you know when they came on the season three one so as i was driving to work and i didn't have the benefit of having 
anything to think about. I'm I'm just driving to work and, you know, seeing that on my phone as I'm pulling out of the driveway. And I'm like, fuck, I should I need to watch this thing now for punishment. So I went in cold and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to really experience beige for all the VHS Star Trek board game fans out there. Right. That's the true level of Klingon punishment agony. Uh, and I'm going to experience this thing. And instead of just focusing on the fact it sucks, just just let it go and listen to it for just a song, not an intro, but a song. And it's crazy to me them picking up the jaunty um, undertone, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the soft rock, whatever the um, yeah. Rod Stewart. Rock, Rod Stewart sound. Soft rock. It's a rock tone. To this, that's this uh, more of a jingly. Folky. Folky. I think that's. Yeah. Would we call full house intro folk? It's a it's a poppy folk folk pop yeah. maybe. Yeah, it's a folk. It's got a, a a sort of safe edged folky element to it with a jingle to it. And even if ignoring the fact it sucks. Listening to for what it is and the decision for them in the board to say this intro needs to change. We are getting raked over the coals. And someone's being forced to admit that they made a mistake. And rather than just make a new intro with a new song, I don't know if it's Hollywood friendships. Uh, if if by changing it, you're going to make an enemy. I, I don't know what the politics were there, but they said, we're going to try and re-sculpt this into something different. At the same time, they're saying this show needs to change. Something about this format sucks. We need to reconfigure the entire show and we're going to take it in this dark gritty direction where there's a purpose there's stakes and there's this heavy influence of 24 and post 9 11 right correct and to say we have reinvented the show and it is now going to be a gritty 24 reboot and then also at the same time we have re-engineered the introduction and it's a poppy folk remix what you you've taken i I would almost say that the the current iteration of the intro song is more appropriate to the first two seasons. I'm not saying it's better than the other one, but mm-hmm. I'm saying that that fits the theme and the genre of the show better than you get into this like militaristic um, do or die format. And then you have this like lighthearted and we've joked about it before that they'll cut into it like, oh, God, someone just died. Someone just stomped a dog until it's fucking brain shot yeah, out of it. Now it's time like, for some light folk guitar. Dun, 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 dun. So it's such a head scratcher. I'm like, how do you pair the 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 new show you have made with this? Not terrorist try- inspired. It's trying to make it soar more. It's trying to make it seem more like Star Trek music. I think I said that when we started season three. And I think that's the element that eventually grows on you as you continue to listen to it and why I become I, I start to unironically like it because you you get the sense of how it matches the show and probably why they felt so married to it and why they didn't want to do traditional Trek music. The same I, still think it's, I still think it's the wrong decision and there needed to be, you know, big theme, a big classic intro theme here. But I can understand their thought process. I also think that if you cut the vocals out and you cut certain instruments out, there might actually be a, 
a decent orchestral score there that could have been appropriate. Yeah, the lyrics is where the inner cringe just comes out every time. You know, right. and you have to come overcome that over repeated listenings before you start to embrace it. Star Trek mode. Good Star Trek mode. We're moving into Proving Ground. Episode three. I'm sorry. Season three, episode 13. First aired January 21st, 2004. Written by Chris Black. This is a name we know. This is a name that's brought us quality before. Old Hand, David Livingston. But none of those names matter, Joe. Only one name matters. (laughs) One name matters. One thing that I can see that instantly takes me from Chosen Realm, which wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Chosen Realm was was seriously hamstrung. Shitty intro, bad ending, good effort, right? But I don't Mm -hmm. have to fucking do any mental gymnastics here. Because you got Jeff Combs, baby. I got Shran. I got Endorians. I got Metaplot. I got, got the first two seasons of stuff that I sat through coming back to matter. I've got Vulcan intrigue. You've got, I mean, Jeffrey Combs is acting cheat codes on Star Trek. I, I mean, he's just so good at just getting into these characters and selling it the whole way. I mean, the dude is in an objectively ridiculous getup, right? He's got caked blue makeup on. He's got a little antenna. He's got a bad wig. He's got kind of like the cheap costume because he's a guest star. And he comes in. He's got hot subordinates. That helps. I do like that he immediately found another tall Eastern European uh, (laughs) Andorian Mm -hmm. dominatrix type to be his first officer. Like strong play. Uh, Game respect game. Absolutely. I get it. I get it. But uh, he, despite Even the fact the, he's, in, in a, he's as an actor in an objectively weird kind of spot to have to do serious performance stuff, he is so fucking good. He's so much fun to watch. He's good and he's fun to watch. But even if it wasn't Jeffrey Combs doing this and you had taken any other actor and put them in as Shran, I still think that Shran as a character not even as a character, but just as a a menu, a collection of plot threads, as a story in of itself, right? There's enough cool shit going on there that it doesn't need... They're lucky they've got Jeffrey Combs playing it, but right. like... He ties it together very effortlessly, almost. But it, it is a legit good character that ha- legit represents... So much important and compelling stuff that just bringing him in there, draw again, the Vulcans, uh, Pajem, the 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 promise of the Federation. That it's going to spruce anything up. And and, and, and this, frankly, w- season four is amazing because they just go hard in the paint on exactly what you're talking about. Let me put it this way. Shran is in 10 episodes of Star Trek Enterprise total. Five of them are in season four. Well, he's only in 10. That seems really low. Again, you're talking about only two in season one, one in season two. I mean, assuming that there's there's 30 ish episodes per season, you know, three, six, that's 100 and, you know, 20 some almost 120 episodes like 10 is a drop in the bucket. 
It's not a lot, but he leaves an impression. And I want half more. Of, half of and turns out, uh, frankly, the creators agreed with you. And I mean, half of his appearances are in season four alone. And they they know that this is where the juice is, I think, after this, because this is just a banger. Every scene in this is good. I have no complaints. Uh, as good as some of the episodes we've watched this season are, I would call this one the best without a single moment of hesitation. I love Similitude. I loved Impulse. But this is great con- continuous Star Trek storytelling that sells the premise of the fucking show at last. And that's why I think I like it the most. Yeah. This and- is not only a good episode... But this is explicitly what we're here for. We are here for the foundation of the United Federation of Planets, of a integrated Starfleet, and how humanity got its groove, right? So uh, right off the bat, no fucking around. We open up a blue hand pouring a cup of water back out. It's Shran. Which, you know, it's kind of sad that the the intro ruined that for me uh, when we were reading the... uh, the, the, the teaser of the last one but yeah yeah it's it's not he's not revealed at the end of the yeah. cold open straight like, away that's why it was like don't worry you weren't gonna get very far here's my hand here's me drinking water get called to the bridge uh captain we've lost the signal again uh again as we already mentioned there's a new um commander hottie subordinate palace is her name you know what you need to do you know what our orders are i know these humans are out here uh, don't underestimate them. These pink skins are resourceful. And we've clearly identified now that if he's not already in the Delphic Expanse, Shran is going into the Delphic Expanse and they are looking for Enterprise. Uh, we get to see what an Andorian ship looks like. And to summarize it up, it looks like 24th century Federation technology. Uh, that's an ongoing theme in this episode. The Andorians have better everything they have better weapons they have shields uh they have tractor better sensors they have tractor beams they they're faster yeah but just the aesthetics and that's something very interesting to see like uh, you know this is david livingston and if you told me just to watch this and try to figure out who did it i would have said frakes the number of top-down shots that happen in this episode there's at least two i can think of off the top of my head but when they walk on the bridge smooth swoopy lines soft blue lighting on the consoles uh bright cheerful overhead lights you've got two guys at the front of the bridge you've got an ops and a helm you got the tactical in the back you've got the captain's chair in the middle which maybe the reason why i feel like it's 24th century federation reminiscent is because that's literally one of the command chairs from fucking voyager it's either janeway's or it's chakotay's chair that's his bridge seat And it's interesting to think, like, what if the ship, the interior ship language, ship design language isn't human influence, but like, that's just how Andorians do things. And humans saw and said, you know what, that's that's a good idea. And said, you know what, we should put carpet in these bitches. (laughs) (laughs) This metal stuff, like it's not comfortable when you get hit by an IED that we put into the consoles, like you Mm -hmm. wind up on a hard surface. Lay down some carpet, make it look, give it a holiday in vibe. And you know what? Andorians are onto something. 90 degree angles can cause cuts and abrasions. Just ask Captain Sean Picard 
uh, after the Federation strayed away from Andorian design principles and started putting these sharp ass stairs and, you know, posts, you get teeth knocked out of your mouth. You get ribs broken. Gashes, like giant gashes. Can't have that. Carpet. We cut back briefly to the Terminus Systems uh, Legion of Doom. So the Zindi are meeting. Again, that top down shot. Uh, What's the humanoid? What's the what are they? Mammals, monkeys, simians? What are they? Uh, Zindi primates. We're looking down. He comes out. The camera pans out and we see the rest of the Legion of Doom. It's they're all there. It's the primates, the arboreals, the uh, aquatics, the insects and the reptiles, the five species that we have been acquainted with. And they are talking about how they need to test this weapon. Degra, the designer of the weapon, he's always been Mr. Cautious, but he's always been Mr. Cautious for a reason, which is this shit is wild that we are building. It's literally a giant planet killing gun. It is difficult to do it requires precision engineering and we got to test things so we're going to do a test in a few days and if things go well we could have the weapon ready in a month and finally we'll be done with this whole human problem now that's what he's trying to say you got the reptilians like why were we summoned here blah 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 my time's busy and it's just for this uh dagger guy to get up there and say I don't have any results to give you yet, but if we all come back here in a week, you can watch the weapons test. So I'm going to call this scene the meeting that should have realistically been an email. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to agree with the reptiles, but yeah, I, I think I'd be salty, too, if I had to go out to Geonosis or wherever the fuck they are right now, especially if you're the fucking walrus people or the uh, the SeaWorld critters. Yeah, it seems like that would be a hard one for him. Yeah, bring the like, tank out and everything. Yeah, man, like, come on. You, you, this could have been a fucking Zoom call. What are, what are you doing to us here? Um, when we cut back to Enterprise, we find out a few interesting things. First, there has been some some long-term damage from last week. So uh, the, spa- the, the space terrorists that deleted the hard drive. Also, re- real quick, I want to jump back one second. That meeting that they do, that's one kind of criticism I would have to this episode is if Carpenter Street, if that the full extent of the biological weapon was actually occurring in the past, yet somehow it was like real time connected to the future compartment, whatever timey wimey stuff like that would have been the scene to say like, all right the backup plan is gone. Now Death Star is the only game in town this needs to work. Do they ever specifically talk about like Operation uh, T-Virus is dead? They certainly get around. It all impacts the plot. I'll say that. Um, so the, the, there is payoff to the things that happen with, with Operation T-Virus and like fucking around in time. And we'll get there. Um, so before- continuity. Yeah, before we can get there, we've got other continuity, which is the computer got deleted. So they've restored 30% from the backup. So they're trying to rebuild the things that the the extremists deleted. And they're doing this at the same time that they are finally on the trail of the kind of spiked material that their friend from the mining colony gave to the Zindi weapon builders. Because Old I believe... Garlic. Yes, Mr. Garlic didn't like that his material was being used to build a weapon that was killing people. 
And Archer ultimately hit the Paragon button when he had the moral choice. And in doing so, he got this guy not only to uh, put a tracking device on their ship, but as we'll find out, successfully spike the material such that it is not actually uh, very useful. But they're on the trail for that. So we've got two pieces of continuity basically in this first scene. And then uh, what the the piece together database reveals is that the path to the the signal that they've picked up, they got to go through a real uh, fucked up bunch of spatial anomalies. And of course, you know, their ship is still unshielded because to Paul turn into a zombie. So uh, they just got to navigate it. They just got to try and get through. It is. Uh, they don't call a lot of attention to it explicitly. But it's. They're on a time mission. They know that this weapon is going to be firing. They've got a chance to finally make some meaningful progress towards their mission. They need to get there. And this uh, real hell valley. What do they call it? In the, what was the, the shitty corridor of Borg? Was it the Death Valley? The shitty corridor of Borg? In Voyager, when they're like, oh, fuck, here's this corridor that we need to, to get home. But like, it's where all the Borg are. I don't know if they called it Death they, Valley. It wasn't Death Valley. They had a name for it. The Northwest Passage or something. Oh, the Northwest Passage. That's right. Yes. Trying to find a way through Borg space. A Northwest Passage. Well, that's yes. what this is. Only whereas Voyager had all the time in the world to, to plot around and they had options. Uh, Archer's only real option here is to. What was it in uh, Oregon Trail to to caulk the wagon and forge the river? Yeah. Ford the river. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to go through there and they only have 30% of their understanding of what these are. So it's going to be ugly. They batten down the hatches. They prepare everything as best they can. Trip takes the warp core offline. I think there's a cool shot where you can see uh, Enterprise flying, but the nacelles are powered down. And this is basically going to be a game of DePaul putting her eyes in the Spock peephole. And okay, left. Now go right. Now go left. Now go right. Just playing Simon Says in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the getting your driver. It's getting your driver's license. Yeah. Or which side <laughs> did you see the little light blink? Left, right, both. <laughs> uh, does not go well for them. They hit a terrible. It looks like the Baryon sweep from Enterprise Mine. And as this green wall of fuck you passes through the ship. Yeah, we get a real um, cornucopia of IEDs just blown up in everybody's goddamn face. Everyone's livers now on their colon. It's like everyone's fucked up. It's bad. The ship is starting to really fall apart. And then suddenly it stabilizes. Well, part of this, speaking of design language of ships, I can no longer ignore the balconies in engineering. Because okay, at this yeah, point, there is quite a fall. You're right. There is quite a stunt fall. This dude gets fucking launched. And my only question at this point, like we already know engineering is unsafe. The elevator seems like it was designed primarily around the concept of how many fingers can we chop off? <laughs> yes. Per Which trip. Is called out in an episode. <laughs> and it's a hazard. And the it's intro, right. I think that was like the, the pilot episode. Like this now thing is when, made. It's when uh, trip was pregnant. That's hand, close yeah. to the beginning. Hand jive babies. Yeah. Uh, but now at this point, not even counting flocks getting blown out of this thing in like, you know, alternate future, whatever. Many a crewman has been launched off this motherfucker. Oh, even uh, 
Rajin like fucking jumped off that. Now Rajin was able to stick it off and make it look like that landing was well, not. It's also like threatening. Six, yeah, it was like six camera angles. This mad lad stunt performer. Let's pour one out, right? He's gonna stand up because they're like bad shits happening. Get hit by the wave, and then his this explosion basically has to catapult him off this balcony, and he's got to do the actual whole fall on camera onto his back. So we haven't done the bit in a while about what you're going to mend to your Starfleet standard operating procedures, but I, I got two things. One, if you must have an exposed catwalk or a uh, a falling hazard, just go ahead and leave some bales of hay or some old mattresses at the bottom. Yeah, bales of hay are sufficient. I played Assassin's Creed. I get that you don't want to hit zero G and have like dirt and hay getting stuck in like uh, electrical outlets, but at least put the fucking mattresses there because it's no longer a question of is if someone is going to be jettisoned over the edge so much as when someone is jettisoned over the edge and or if you must have an exposed balcony where it really seems like uh, someone's going to get launched over it, put up some like cargo netting or like bungee cords. So as they go to fly over, there's like an intercepting force. <laughs> I like the idea of there's nets. There's nets for like the net. Why like, are those nets there? Well, wouldn't you believe how many times? Wouldn't you, you believe that this, this catwalk? Wouldn't you believe that up on that catwalk they're actually building iPhones? Foxconn rents that space, <laughs> so we had to put up stuff. nets. So when the people go to kill themselves and or get blown up during a uh, spatial anomaly, they can't successfully go over the threshold of the edge, and uh, that way we get continued productivity. Because death is not an escape here, anyways. So, uh, what is an escape? Is the Andorians showing up and basically tractor beaming them out of the problem? And that they do have a really fun reveal where they turn the view screen on and it's Archer from the back, and you see the back of Archer's head, but two antenna come up on the view screen. Quite, quite a fun shot, right? You don't get them being kind of like cheeky like that a lot david livingston must have taken his vitamins that morning <laughs> yes he did he got his old man energy because <laughs> he was filled with some thoughts he had he wanted to do some real hollywood shit yeah he's trying to bang someone and he needed to put a, a good effort out there so you know they'd take notice of his excellent directing shran comes on and he's basically hey what's up and words i'm here to <laughs> I'm here to greet you with racism. <laughs> he he drops some hard facts in this in this scene. It's actually quite impressive because he comes on, he channels the energy of his first subordinate, and then he gives to Paul major sex eye, whether she wants it or not, while like walking around to like, see, you know, uniform's different. Certainly still quite flattering. Like, he's giving off the energy. Then he starts to go into a rant about how the Vulcans did nothing for you, bro. They sent your ass in here with no help. Your oh, he recaps the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, why are you here, Shan? Because someone's trying to blow up your phone. Someone's trying to andor you. Yeah. Someone's trying to blow up your fucking planet. We identify as your allies, like the Vulcans tell you they are. Meanwhile, 
I'm here dragging you out of a hellhole with our tractor beam, and the Vulcans couldn't even spare a single officer to help you in this. She had to give up her commission to be here right now, which side eye, not side eye, but like wink, not even wink, wink, just very clearly like highly commendable. And I, I would have liked to see that touched a little bit more by the end, like peeking behind the curtain. First of all, if you haven't watched this episode, stop, stop our podcast and go. Yeah. Yeah. Stop listening to us. Go watch it first. Cause we're going to spoil the shit out of it from this. This is a must see episode. This is great Trek. This is really good. But he has a secret agenda, which will come to light later, which he is not happy about, but he's a good soldier. And I think what's happening here is that he is respecting her for doing what so far he has not been able to bring himself to do, which is to defect, uh, to, 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 to ignore the oath that he swore to the Imperial Guard and instead respect uh, a obligation to the future. And, and not just that, but honor, right? Like so much of Shran's whole pattern of behavior in his first five or so episodes that we've seen is that he is a man deeply driven by a very peculiar, but very consistent set of honor. Do you see that from other Andorians? No, which is, I think an important element and makes trans specific. In fact, I think it's called out quite clearly in dialogue when Archer says, I'm not saying I can trust Andorians. I'm saying I can, I can trust Shran. Because everything else we've seen between Susie Plaxton and this dickhead general that he's dealing with is some real Romulan shit. Yeah, they're they're duplicitous, as Paul points out. They Correctly are, points out. Yes. Does Shran never get to uh, act opposite Klingons? Because given the amount of personal honor this guy has, like that, that's what I want to see is like real honor, like wharf honor versus uh, fake honor. So uh, I'm here. The Vulcans have done nothing to help you. The only Vulcan involved in this is here essentially illegally. Uh, And I'm trying to make something happen between us. I am the bro you deserve, and I'm the bro you're going to get. We're here. I got my ship. It's better than yours. We're going to get shit done. I got your back. Yeah. And and his case to do so is also straightforward. You've done us favors, John. <laughs> Last time I saw you, you made some shit happen at your own personal risk for us, for me. I owe you. That means I'm going to roll my ass out here. I'm going to help you make sure your planet doesn't blow up because I would like for us to be friends. And it's like, okay, yeah. Like every time we've seen them, they've gotten along. Archer has definitely done this man solids. Like, and everything he's saying about how the how the Vulcans really didn't fucking help, like that, I want to no, go no back lies to twi- detected. No lies detected. I want to go back to Twilight. Shran gave him shields. Correct. And one of my big uh, talking points in Twilight is the the real perceived lack of any meaningful assistance from Vulcans. Specifically, Vulcans not even like, well, hey, listen, we'll put you on a moon. You know, you, you come live in our star system. We'll we'll protect you a little bit, like. Vulcans are like brushing our hands off from you guys. See you later. Compared to at least Shran 
throwing them some fucking uh, sweet tech upgrades. So uh, he makes quite the impression on Archer during this little meeting, but um, T'Pol's not having it. Now, and there's also a scene where we find out that the weapons systems on the ship are completely fucked. It's going to take Reed weeks to put them back together. And he says, listen, the armory officer of Shran's ship is willing to come over and help fix it. I don't like this any more than you do. It's literally how we defend ourselves. I don't see a solution. Do you? And he goes, I don't see a solution other than that either. Bring her over. I don't want anyone touching my ship's systems. Well, what if I told you it's a girl and you can be a creep? Ooh. Well, Captain. Ooh, I do I do have a track record of of banging alien chicks that I work with on this ship. So. I do have a track record of being a fucking creep. So, yes, by all means. We'll see if we can go for two for two over here. And then, yeah, that's after that is when he talks to, to Paul, where he lays down the line of like, I'm hearing you when you're telling me Andorians suck. But I... I think we can separate Andorians and Shran. Shran is here. Shran has a debt to pay. Shran feels very serious about the debt he has to pay. I get him. I get him. We can trust him. Which This episode does the trick where there are meetings and there are orders being given that the camera doesn't go anywhere near. So by the end, it turns out that Archer was much less trusting than he's leading us to believe with the on-screen conversations we are witnessing and that he's got contingencies in place. So his, uh, I think think it is present though, when he talks to Reed, cause he's like, yeah, no, this isn't a good idea. I agree with you, but it's like, should we have security present? Like can't treat guests like that. And he's just saying like, you have to handle this quietly. You have to keep your eye on her quietly, which is of course exactly what happens. And so I think right from the start, you see Archer's like, I don't, you know, I can't trust these people entirely, but we have to treat their aid seriously and test out how this is going to go. I would say there's shades of a gotcha bitch at the end where it's there is much more uh, suspicion present than these early scenes would lead you to believe from Archer because he is pushing back against uh, to Paul as hard as he is in these scenes, but against all of this is a very clear mission parameter of, we need to save earth at whatever the cost. And if that means rolling the dice with the fucking Andorians, like they don't call it out here, but like, okay, worst case scenario, what happens? The Andorians fuck us over a little bit. Like they can do that if they want to, like you've seen their ship. (laughs) Like if we fail, earth blows up. So either we can, uh, save earth and trust the Andorians or we can trust the Andorians. They fuck us over and earth blows up or we can tell the Andorians to go away and earth blows up. Like these are easy choices to make right now. So the Andorians are helping fix the ship. Shran has dinner with Archer. Shran is bro and hard. He really likes Archer. He he's like, he's familiar with them. He's complimentary of him. He brings hard drinking Andorian ale over for 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 shots. Calls out, hey, you know, when we were doing the peace treaties with uh, Suval, 
you know, really seemed to, to like this. So I got a bunch of bottles. I brought you some extras just for mm-hmm. you, bro. And feel free art- to take the glass bottles and bust them over your head. I know. I know. Head wounds get you thing. Off. I listened to all the communication. So don't worry. Your fetishes are safe with me. That's a big part of uh, the conversation initially between to Paul Archer and Shran is basically uh, to Paul's like, how would you know about the attack on Earth? You're, you're, you know, spying and this and that. And he's like, uh, yeah, listen, eight billion, eight million people dying, like not exactly a guarded state secret. Yeah. Like, yeah, someone from Earth came by and was like eight million of my people got killed mm-hmm. and we looked into it. Not we, hard. We get terrestrial broadcast. Like we can see like all of your news channels have been completely preoccupied by footage of a laser from space ripping shit apart. Um, she also they also know that Tapal quit her career, so they are like definitely spying on the Vulcans. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just like, how do you know that? Like, because we're fucking spying on you, bitch. What the fuck do you think? Yeah, obviously, you saw <laughs> you said pajama. That's how hard you're spying on us. We're spying here like twice as hard. I was really genuinely surprised by the technological gap between humans and the uh, the Andorians, because everything prior to this made it seem almost like Andorians were almost inferior to Earth's technological level. I I, well, I wasn't going to say inferior to humans. I was going to say they seem inferior to Vulcans, but not so much that Vulcans could roll them but such that Andorians really couldn't do much to the Vulcans either. And so they were stuck in this sort of frozen conflict of border wars because neither could really muster enough power to beat the other, but Vulcans were, had the, had the whip hand a little bit. And this, it just seems like they're actually even competitors. Like Andorians seem just as advanced as Vulcans. Their ships are fast. They do cool shit. You know, they shoot good. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm already in love with the episode at this point. Uh, we get some uh, not montage, but a uh, quick overview of how repairs are going. Uh, Talus shows up. Hey, I'm here to help. And um, reads basically like negging her. Yes. And, like reducing her to being like, hand me this, hand me that, hand me this, hand me that. And she's like, listen, um, this place is a dump. I'm way beyond this level. Like, either use me to my full capacity or let me get back to doing what I need. Actually, even before that, she finds Reed in the mess hall while Reed's talking to Trip, and they start like verbally sparring and like Trip's just like, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here. I, 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 already tell, this. I don't got time for this. I can already tell he's going to try and neg you and then fuck you and you're going to go through your thing and I got to go fix a warp engine. I got got other things to do. What other things? Or anything else? Uh, Get my fucking feet massaged by T'Pol. See you later, bitches. T'Pol has not been around a lot uh, compared to what her normal interactions with Trip would have been. A little little hint of similitude, I think, there. I think it's because there's so many Andorians in the engineering uh, uh, in the the warp core area that she doesn't want to be around them. I thought it was more a reference to them specifically, you know, like that she's still processing that trip has these feelings that trip is not actually communicating with her about maybe. And, uh, and we get a little, just a tiny bit of that though, before we are 
kicking well, back into the into the plot, which is that they're on the hunt for the the Zindi. What they will find out is the Zindi test weapon. So Talus uh, goes to leave. Reed's like, "Hold on a second, you know, I'm sorry, I was being a fucking jerk." Here, I'm. I'm gonna. We're we're gonna get real about this. I'm gonna open up. Uh, I'm going to admit basically that I've been holding you at arm's distance because I don't want you to see our secret access codes and like uh, classified shit. But we need to get this show rolling. And she's like, "Hey, I'm really great at all of this, and we're gonna kind of have a flirty, cute relationship." And you're going to go off to do something. And then I'm going to like lean in and fucking write down all the serial numbers. That that specific thing does happen later. But I think it's like an interesting point because. We find out later that Reed was observing her while she was doing that. We didn't see that Reed was doing so. I thought that was very clever. I, I know you called it a gotcha bitch at the end, but I feel like they did enough to show like it doesn't come completely out of left field. Yeah. Reed was making her think that his shields were down and he was secretly just still monitoring her to see if she would take, try to take advantage of him and did. Yeah. Very predatory of him. He's, he's, he takes a predator to catch a predator. (laughs) You've got the Dennis method. You've got the Mac method. Uh, You've got to find out what the Malcolm is. Well, you know what? It's your homework. Yeah, out there. some fan out there, come up with the Malcolm method. What is the Malcolm? And if you don't know what that is, you're not the right person to do it. And if you do, <laughs> you are the right person to do it. Post memes. Um, He's very close to scraps in nature, I'm sure. They find the weapon. They, you know, the, the name of this episode comes from the concept of a proving ground for a weapon test, like the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland, or the Bikini Atoll for... Uh, neutron bombs or whatever. And sure enough, they've come to this place thinking this could be where they're testing the very weapon that we are trying to hunt down. Um, before we get into the action, which is going to ultimately be Shran ship rolling in to take the fucking thing. <laughs> well, hold on. There's one more good interpersonal yeah, scene. There is a, yeah, I was about to get to that very interpersonal scene, which is Shran and trip. Or two characters that we've not had a ton of time together with. And it we finally get back to Tripp's trauma, which is that his sister died. And that this is weighing on him. Um, and moving that forward, doing something with it, which we haven't done a lot of. We, similitude, we did get a taste. But here is like Shran brings it up because Trip wants tech. Trip wants antimatter reactors. Uh, interject anti-manner injectors rather and the androids got shit hot ones he's like can i have one and he's like i bet you would fucking like i'm not gonna give you my technology that's that's just not in the cards and he he makes the plea and he gets into the kind of the emotional conversation where shran's like empathizing with him but in a militaristic way to say like oh you want revenge you want to kill you want to kill the zindi i understand and he's like no i want to prevent my planet from blowing up very different impulse is it though because everything had been painting trip as i have a basically like there should be a drinking problem like i I feel like everything portrayed up to this point that at least four times a week trip sitting there with just a undershirt on in his quarters getting real drunk 
and mean and being a mean drunk and punching a wall and like dreaming about murdering the Zindi because his sister was killed. Right. I think that this episode. I think that his reaction to this is supposed to convey him trying to find a way to not be vengeful. Like he seemed to swallow the idea that he was agreeing with Shran, if that makes sense. And instead gave the correct answer, which is we're here to prevent this from happening. That's our job. We're here to prevent this from happening. Right. And Shran vibed with like, okay, no, I understand what you're saying. You've got a job. Why don't I get you an injector? Like you, you, you do need this stuff. And in fact, overall they spruce up enterprise. Nice. They give it a nice uh, wax on the way out. It's, Phasers apparently get just better from the from yeah they the, go from ninety two percent effectiveness to ninety four, which uh, Talus is still unhappy that she wasn't able to get it higher. And apparently that's like a uh that last two percent is a lot because they disable two Zindi ships they like fuck no some problem Zindi up they yeah. fuck them up <laughs> and so. Yeah. Long gone are the days of uh, Enterprise getting, you know, sh- shoved into their locker and dangled over a toilet and and bullied by the rest of the Galactic High School. Now they're the ones beating some ass um, back to the Shran trip thing. Like. It did feel like it was a departure of where I thought that he would be, but it makes sense too. like he doesn't know this guy. He doesn't want to come off as a complete fucking psycho. Be like, yeah, I want to kill all these motherfuckers like. He gives the right answer. And I don't know if this was a test of Shran. Like, is this what's this guy made of? And I think it is a test, too. Like, all right. I No, I, I'm not just going to give you our technology. Hold on. This dude's real talk in the right way. Yeah, I respect that you are making this request because you want to get your job done. Not because you're hungry for my shit. You're a nerd running the ship, but you also are driven. And you're like, might as well shoot a shot and ask this guy for some some cool stuff. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll bring the cool stuff over. Hey, you guys know prime directive. I'm not yeah, fucking fuck it. obligated yeah, to you. What do I look like? Vlad Goldblum? I'll hook you up, dude. And uh, so the their plan to try and get close so they can do some scans is for Shran to act like he's a lost miner. Well, they're like passively, oh, we're just scanning everything for Archerites. It's very valuable. It's so sure to be there and be like, motherfucker, you did not just name check me. I'm the most infamous human. There is a temporal cold war that is focused on me personally. And you're over here telling them that I'm I I need some Barack Obama site. (laughs) Some Obama site. Where'd you get that name from? It's just a name. Barack Obama, that's not anything anybody would know. That's just a completely random silliness. It reminds me of that that joke from uh, Austin Powers. We use some code names that I I enjoy using. This is Alan Parsons. I'm Richie Cunningham, and here's my wife, Oprah. (laughs) Um, Shran, you know, you've seen a lot of faces of Shran. There's a spooky commando ghost shran there's a hopeful i want to believe in a better tomorrow and i'm going to fight my subordinates shran there's i'm going to get in uh 
Suval's face about, you know, atrocities done against my thing. There's also used car, uh, buddy's carpet dealer. <laughs> Come on down to Shran's used starship lot. Basically, I like it was the Andorium Mining Consortium. Yes. Which uh, was it? The Tellerite was the mining consortium, right? Yeah, the Tellerites are the miners and engineers. Uh, so he's like, hey, not only am I a great military guy, but I have a hell of a charisma pool and I'm going to con the shit out of this guy. They show up showboat like, hey, I'm here looking for fucking doodads and shiny things. I hope I'm not bothering you guys. And then the uh, primate Zindi's like, get the fuck out of here, dude. We're doing like t- no, no. No girls allowed. Get out of here. We're doing. You literally like walk into the forest clearing and Dagger is there with crates of AKs and he's giving it to a bunch of Libyans. Like, could you go? <laughs> like, You're not allowed to be you, here. You're not allowed well, to be here right now. Could you get the fuck out of here? Well, unfortunately for you, sir, uh, much like the rest of the fucking Alpha Quadrant, nobody knows how to sign post a sign that says stay away. I'm looking at you fucking dinosaur planet flamethrower guys like you don't want people creeping up on you looking for mining materials you gotta you gotta put up some fences put up some stay away signs no trespassing so they find out from the scans after they have to retreat that they're about to test a smaller version of the weapon and the plan becomes let's Is figure out a way we can, we can get our hands on oh yeah they even say that, that looks in the like dialogue. the size of the probe that they the, the, the first prototype that they send to earth Correct. The fact they're able to put this in a cargo hold, this thing is fucking tiny. And pardon me. The weapon is deployed for a test and it like takes half a moon off or something like that. Like it cracks a moon in half. I mean, it's yeah, it's a it's a powerful weapon. But apparently we find out that this is not functioning right. They had to shut the test down because it was going to overload. This is when Archer reflects that uh, uh, Grilka, or not Grilka. Garlic. Garlic uh, decides to, uh, did, did actually sabotage it as he he promised he would. So he ended up being a bro. And they're like, well, this thing has got to sit there as it like cooks off its radiation for a while. So if we want to like make a move on this thing, we can kind of do the, the, the rope-a-dope where we can get their attention with Enterprise because they're going to be like, oh, no, the humans are here. Fucking kill them. And then we can have the Andorians sweep in. They've got actual shields. They can keep it in their their uh, uh, cargo bay without getting everyone fucking killed. And then we can meet up after the thing's cooked off and we can give it back to Enterprise. Through all of this, there's a couple more scenes uh, involving Reed. I think that's where like him doing yeah. his little worky, flirty stuff goes. I will say that. Uh, this is probably the first time in th- two full seasons that like I don't hate Reed. I-, I think he's a pretty decent character in this episode. The way they use him, um, yeah, his on presence, uh, they're they're good scenes, and I enjoy him. But to your point, they're they're having the talk in the command center about what the game plan is going to be here, and at this point, you see, all right, Tran is up to no good. Yes. The way that Jeff Combs delivers, like, yeah, we're going to do this and we'll get in and we'll get the thing and we'll whisk it away to safety. Everything will be great. And then he goes to leave and then Archer goes, I'm going on your ship because Earth hangs in the balance here. 
I need to be the one calling the shots. I can't trust you to do this because this is my mission. And then Shran's like, uh, well, then we'll fucking leave. And then Archer's like, well, then fine, leave. We don't, you know, we'll do it on our own. But either I'm involved in this or you are not involved. And uh, Shran reluctantly agrees to let Archer come over. I thought Archer was just going to be there as an observer, not the one actually calling the shots. But of course, Ar- Archer going over by himself, like, oh, gee, what's the worst that could happen? We do see finally the other shoe drop, which is uh, Shran has his first conversation with the shitty Andorian general. And once the getting the weapon prototype thing is on the table, apparently Shran's orders became you will steal that shit and you will come back home and you will not fuck with the humans no more. And uh, while he is following his orders, he's apparently made his uh, dislike of those orders very clear to his boss whom he does not have a good relationship with. I'm going to put you in for a commendation. You know what? How about you don't? Because this is yeah. I'm just some real. I don't want to bitch. be reminded of the fact I just fucked over a guy I consider a friend of mine. This is some real bitch ass shit, and I don't need a badge. Yeah, I don't need an award. Just like the time I fucked up a dude who was my homie. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't need to be reminded. Um, here, here's what I. Here's the canon in my head, and we're gonna go ahead and adopt this into official V'ger, please. Uh, codec. Uh, the Andorians are responsible for the interior design language of future Federation ships, as well as the obligation that all uh, Admiralty needs to be ship bags with bad agendas and <laughs> awful ideas. So and the, the, crazy. Two, the two things they contributed are carpeting and crazy Starfleet Admiral syndrome. Crazy Admiral. It's not Starfleet yet, but a bad, okay, bad, yeah. bad upper Crazy leadership. Admiral syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Bad okay. upper leadership. You know what? Those are critical parts of the 24th century. So I consider it all good. Maybe. And uh, we haven't really seen the ship get fucked up yet on his end. They might also be responsible for actually like packing the IEDs with like lethal amounts of explosives. Yeah, or, you gotta, or the decision to remove the blast suppressors that may in fact be present. For the reason those nets never got installed. <laughs> Uh, the the fight finally happens Uh, as mentioned Enterprise apparently ate its its fucking Wheaties it's a good double cross premise too right because it's not just like we're going to blindly fuck over the humans like our primary Andoria's primary concern is putting the Vulcans in check we've done a great job in Enterprise so far of painting the pictures that the Vulcans have a lot of growing up to do. These are incomplete. This is an incomplete race, right? Mm-hmm. They appear at every turn we've seen so far when it's Vulcans and Endorians that the Vulcans are kind of the shittier end of the spectrum. They've got Pajem. They're lying about this. Uh, you know, that it was wrong of them to invade whatever the fucking colony was uh, where they did the peace talks. Now we finally see like Andorian hands are not clean. Okay, Earth is going to get fucking destroyed, and Andoria is more concerned about using, exploiting this situation so they can get a super weapon that they can then leverage over the Vulcans. And Shran even calls out, like, would it not, like, these dudes need us. And the general's like, listen, whatever, man, like, we, we, we can fucking Death Star the Vulcans. That's, that's what we care about. Stick to your fucking orders. So after the heist is pulled, 
the inevitable double cross occurs. They get the thing on board. Archer's like, okay, tell Enterprise where we're going. And Tran says, don't do that. Set a course. We're going home. Archer gets so angry, he forgets on you know what side his bread is buttered, and he gives a head wound to 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 Shran. Just decks his ass, puts him back in his chair after the double cross. And again, Shran sells it the whole way. He is very upset on a personal level that he has done what he has done. He is he takes a punch from Archer and just goes, put him on a you know, get him out of here. Put him We're on an escape so pod. Different, you and I, Jonathan Archer. Just as you enjoy a good head wound to get the blood flowing to the nether region, so do I. Yes, I will take know. mercy on you for the gift of erection you have given me. I will not smite you. Put him in an escape pod. Uh, let, do not execute <laughs> have a him. Generous blue antenna, to God. Mm-hmm. This half chub means you live. Pink skin, I haven't been this aroused in a long time. I do hope our paths cross again. <laughs> now, if you need me, I'll be in my bunk. I don't know if the the listeners enjoy all the talk of uh, Archer sexual bliss. And, like, there's been you know no what? feedback. Zero I don't feedback at all. We've never said if you like this joke, but by God, we are not abandoning it now. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. I this joke is going to keep happening for the rest of Enterprise every it's not time. not a joke if it's a valid observation, all right? It's, it's true. And if he was Jolene Blaylock or Jerry Ryan, that camera would actually show below his waist in his scenes, and you would see the erection. You would. The prop department's putting it there. the fuck out of those overalls. The, the, the erection is there. The, just the camera's not there to show it. Uh... They don't really show anything over on Enterprise. Is Enterprise? Is yeah, Enterprise? Yeah, they're engaging. Uh, they're in the yeah, middle they, of a they fight. Ta- they disable two Zindi's ship, and then they like you just see that Archer got picked up, and that's when we find out in the walk and talk in the hallway that, oh yeah, uh, apparently Reed was onto the the uh, the hot mama that he was working with the whole time, and he knew exactly where he she put the code that was going to disable them from being able to follow the Andorians, which was part of their plan. So they got that all clocked and they're like, all right, warp speed. Let's go. We're going to chase them down in that field and we're going to fucking do something about what just happened. And when they get there, they contact Shran, who's like, oh, you found me. And it's like, yeah, because I'm not a fucking idiot. We watched your people while they were here. We figured out what you sabotaged and we fixed it and we fucking found you. So give up the weapon. And he's like, I can't do that. And he says, well, you know, you guys were such bros earlier when you allowed us to use your sensors to, like, watch the test and it blow up the planet that we actually also we we intercepted the activation sequence. So you can give it to us. Or I'm just going to explode it. What a great resolution on this. From from a script manufacturing standpoint, like. You need to preserve this relationship between Shran and Archer. Shran is duty bound. He can't just be like, yeah, listen, we got a real problem in our organization. All of our admiralty is evil and crazy. I'm going to give this thing to you. He's not willing to defect. And instead of forcing Enterprise and whatever Shran's ship is called to, to get into a fight and like, you know, Enterprise get the leg up and 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 beat it in the fight. 
this is such a good way to force Shran's hand and not lose face in the process. Yeah, Shran can lose without seeming like a jabroni. He got outthought on a critical point, and that was how he lost. And it's not like a species 8472 issue where you've done something that like breaks the 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 version you're in, the rules of the game that, that's been laid before you. And because he got out thought and suddenly that thing is overloading his cargo bay, he's like, fuck. But at the same time, he's probably happy. In fact, we know he's happy later on. I'm like, you clever bastard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I get to take an L on this without with while still saving face, which is what I want. And they dump it out, but it's too close to the Andorian ship and it gets disabled. And Archer is in a position where he's able to ask Shran if he'd like some help. And Shran apparently politely declines and says, no, we'll take we'll take our lumps and we'll go home in our own way. You can carry on with your mission. Would you have liked it if in disabling Shran's ship, he would have drifted into an anomaly and Enterprise to grapple hook it and like kind of repay the favor? I I feel like this is the perfect ending because... What Shran is, you don't see it on screen, and I, I kind of like it. It's Shran wanted to lose, but couldn't actually lose. Archer outsmarted him legitimately. If his ship is disabled and is just chilling and he needs to repair, he can't follow any order to do something about Archer. Mm. And so he's off. he's off the board for now, you know? And he can kind of manage the situation while Archer goes and... and as we find out in the last scene with his covert assistance, continue his mission. So I'd already written in my notes. It was a bittersweet resolution because ultimately everything turned out to be a big waste of time. Um, yeah, they took the prototype, but the prototype was already borked because of uh, garlic's interference and like the Vulcan war isn't going to be pursued further by the Andorians because they can't bring back this mini Death Star, but Archer doesn't really have the opportunity to take this thing back to Earth to do whatever the fuck he thought he was going to do with it. And then, yeah, right there, right before they hit the credits, hey, look at that. There was a secret message that came along. It's all of the Andorians' internal scans on this thing. We've got something to go on, and we can now move to the next... uh, you know, the next tile on the, the, the game board to keep this moving. So uh, Archer's like, Hey, let's go celebrate. I got all this fucking Andorian brandy. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Like Shran in the end actually managed to do exactly what he wanted for Archer was help him with his mission. And he got to do it quietly while keeping his kayfabe with his boss and keeping him from being able to interfere any further if he were ordered to do so. I do like Talus. I thought she was a good officer that, you know, was not actively stabbing him in the back. Will she pop up later as well? Or is that the only? Oh, yeah. She's a recurring character with Tran here moving forward. Good. I'm glad. Um, Too often in Voyager and an Enterprise, there's neat characters that we don't get to touch on ever again. So. A refreshing change for us to endorse it. Uh, I mean, I hope you followed our advice earlier when we said go watch this and didn't listen to us spoil the fuck out of it for you. Uh, But you should. This is this is like proto season four Enterprise. This is Enterprise understanding what the fuck it's up to. 
Uh, I don't want you to read the next intro, by the way. Don't read it at all. Mm. Um, I will simply say that it is season three, episode 14 stratagem. And we will watch it next week. If you, if you want to talk about a memory alpha, it's going to spoil an important part of the episode. That one's going to do. I saw the little picture and I got it. Picture's fine. Don't read anything about it. It looked like, uh, God, what's his name from better call Saul. That's not the space juggalo mime guy, right? Michael, Michael, what Michael, that does not look like Michael McKean. No, yeah, it does. No, false. Gonna, That's we're false. Gonna, we're gonna have to do a poll. Well, we know how those go for you. <laughs> they close right as I win. Yeah. Uh, so a good one then. Yeah, good episode. Go no, no, watch the, it. The next oh, one. Next one's good too. Yeah. We're we're you know we're getting past halfway here. You know, like they they got to start like spitting out all of the hits. Right. They gotta. Gonna, they got to make the plot happen. Yeah, we can't go back to fucking uh, Westworld anymore. I was thinking again about True North or North Star, whatever it is, like the conversation that that is traditional Trek. Like you could have realistically picked any timeline, not any era, and that could have been where humanity was abducted. Like that could have been a pretty cool Roman episode, right? That could have been Egyptians. That could have been um, West works because it's a simple technology level and it's a very rebellious rough and tumble group that would overthrow. Uh, obviously, I think they picked uh, the West because that's an easy studio lot on Paramount to work on. Yeah, I, don't think I, they I think have... we covered that pretty well. Like they already had everything. Had but I was also it. thinking like that's two now where we've seen Earth Colony stranded the story we've never seen is like the group of humans that are actively enslaved and now enterprise confronted with the situation of like, these are humans that need help. And we have to like the like, cause between 37s, 37s over through the alien bad guys, Terra Nova, whatever it was all humans all along, but like you don't ever get to see enterprise have to liberate the poor human slaves. I think that they think that's going to be too much, right? Like, why? <laughs> same reason there was no black characters in North Star. Like, let's just not go the slavery route quite too explicitly and quite too loud. Never fun. Hmm. Maybe. But what is fun is doing the show with you, Peter. I am looking forward to watching this next episode with you card will happen when the time allow allows we promise but we'll see everyone next week 